Blog Talk Radio. What do you think about Jesus? Jesus in the morning, you give me Jesus in the evening.
imagine starting your day not just with a cup of coffee or a quick glance at your phone, but with a powerful assurance that today can be extraordinary. Picture yourselves stepping into each moment, fueled not just by your plans and efforts, but by a divine promise of guidance and blessing. If you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. My friends, in the quiet moments of our mornings lies a precious opportunity to shape the hours ahead with hope, grace, and intention. It is in these serene early moments that we find our hearts most open to the whispers of God and where our souls are most receptive to his guiding hand. Let us reflect on the words from Psalm 118, verse 24, which says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This verse isn't just a statement. It's an invitation to align our hearts with a spirit of gratitude and joy. It reminds us that each day is a divine gift, intricately woven with possibilities and opportunities for us to discover and embrace. As we pray for a good day, we are not merely asking for favorable circumstances. We are also seeking to tune in our hearts to the beauty and blessings that each day holds. When we approach our day with prayer, we are not just hoping for the best. We are placing our trust in the one who holds all our days in his hands. We acknowledge that our own strength is limited, but in God, we find an unlimited source of strength, wisdom, and peace. Therefore, our prayer becomes a powerful testament to our faith a declaration that we choose to rely on God's promises and his unfailing love to guide us through the day. As we face the unknowns of the day with courage, we ask not just for the absence of trouble, but for the presence of God's peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace becomes our steady companion, guiding our thoughts, words, and actions turning ordinary moments into extraordinary encounters with God's grace. As we seek God for a good day, we seek to align our will with God's will. It is in this sacred exchange that we find the essence of a truly good day, one that is not measured merely by worldly successes, but also by how closely we walk with the Lord. It's about seeing his hand in every detail, feeling his presence in every challenge and hearing his voice in the quiet whispers of our hearts. So, my friends, let us come together in prayer, not only wishing for a better day, but as a powerful act of faith and surrender. Let us pray with hearts, full of hope, trusting that God is with us, guiding our steps and turning every day into a testament of his love and faithfulness. Today, as we seek a good day, let's remember 
that it begins here, in this moment of prayer, where heaven touches earth and your heart finds true joy in the Lord's embrace. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Heavenly Father, Creator of the heavens and earth, I come before you with a heart full of praise and thanksgiving. Your majesty and glory are beyond comprehension, and your love for us is unending. I exalt your holy name and acknowledge your sovereignty over all things. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and in your presence I find true peace and fulfillment. Lord, I thank you for this new day, a precious gift from your generous hands. I am grateful for the breath in my lungs, the strength in my body, and the opportunities that lie ahead. Your mercies are new every morning, and your faithfulness is as boundless as the sky. For the love and grace that you have given to me and my loved ones, I am eternally thankful. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth and in my life, as it is in heaven. As I stand in your presence, I ask for forgiveness of my sins, both known and unknown. Cleanse my heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. I also forgive those who have wronged me, releasing any bitterness or resentment. For in forgiveness, I find freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare victory over my day. I seek your guidance and wisdom in every decision I make. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Enlighten my mind with your divine insight and help me discern your will in all things. In every conversation, every interaction, in every choice, let your wisdom be my guide. Lord, I ask for your strength and courage. In moments of weakness, be my fortress. When I face trials and tribulations, be my rock. Let your courage fill my heart, enabling me to overcome obstacles and stand firm against the winds of adversity. I'm grateful that in your strength I can achieve all things. For with you all things are possible. I pray for your peace to surround me today. Let it guard my heart and mind. In the midst of chaos, let your peace reign. Let it be a beacon of hope to those around me, a testament to your calming presence in my life. Protect me, Lord, from all harm. Be my shield and defender against the schemes of the enemy. Keep me and my loved ones safe under the shadow of your wings. Deliver us from all evil and lead us away from temptation. Protect us 
in our going out and our coming in, today and forevermore. I pray for health and well-being, not just for myself, but also for my loved ones. Heal us from every sickness and disease. Mend what is broken within us and revive what has grown weary. I thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician, the healer of all our ailments, and in your hands there is restoration and peace. Your word says that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, and I claim that promise over our lives today. I pray for deliverance from the spirits of fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and discouragement, and ask for your powerful intervention to break these chains and set me free in the name of Jesus. Lord, prosper the work of my hands. Open doors of opportunity and bless my goals and aspirations. May your abundance flow in my life and let me be a blessing to others. In your loving kindness, I ask that you meet my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, fill me with your love and compassion. Let me be a vessel of your grace, showing kindness and understanding to everyone I encounter. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke all forms of attacks by the enemy. I declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I bind the spirit of delay, disappointment, and stagnation in the name of Jesus. I rebuke bonds of oppression and any plans of the enemy to derail your purpose for my life. Lord, as I say this prayer together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. Yes. As we come in agreement, praying for each other, yes. let your Holy Spirit move among us, yes. touching every life, healing yes. every wound, and fulfilling yes. every need. Yes. In your infinite grace, we ask that you align your blessings to meet us right where we are. Yes. May your favor be upon us. Yes. May your protection surround us. And may your peace dwell within us. We declare that everything is working for us and not against us. Deliver us from all accidents and negative incidents. We are grateful that your goodness and mercies shall follow us all the days of our lives. Yes. Gracious Lord, Thank we you, pray Jesus. that you will help us to have a good day today. We claim victory over our challenges. Declare healing over our bodies, and yes. we thank you for your unwavering protection. Yes. As this day ends, we return with hearts full of thankfulness yes. for every lesson learned, for every blessing received. We give you glory. Yes. Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us, comfort us, and empower us in all our ways. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were blessed by this prayer, type the word amen in the comment section below.
Hallelujah, Miss Yolanda Adams this morning, and uh, I'm going to be ready, and that's what we want to do daily. We want to prepare so that we can be ready when God returns, because he promised us he's coming back, and he's looking for the church without spot or wrinkle, and we want to be that church that's ready, and so we thank him that we can prepare Daily, he has allotted us chance after chance, time after time, to get it right with him, and we are so thankful. Because some people think, well, when I die, that's it, it's over with, no more, I'm gone. No, after you die, (laughs) comes the judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after death comes the judgment. So you're not just going to die, and that's it, you're going to die, and then you got to stand before God for your actions. Hallelujah. Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday mornings, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And today is January the 22nd, 2024. Hallelujah. We are well (laughs) on our way. On up the ladder into this new year, 22 days, yeah, into the new year. And so we thank God for it. And uh, this morning, I just wanted to uh, share a little bit. We have Bishop Rudolph McKivick coming today. And the message that he's bringing is staying put. Beautiful message, powerful message, staying put. So we're going to take a listen to Bishop later. And uh, I wanted to share this today. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us power, love, and a sound mind. And today we walk by faith and not by sight. And no matter what go on, we want to remain in humbleness. We're in some dangerous times uh, where it appears to be the things of God, but it's not. Uh, the enemy has come in and because the word teaches the world has become wickeder and wiser. So a lot of people want a lot of things. Some uh, people start off for God. But he's not moving as fast as they want or he's not moving in a way that they want him to move. So the devil see their frustration and he come in. And the next thing you know they have sold themselves or their souls to the devil for fame and fortune. Yeah, five minutes worth of fame you sold to be in hell throughout eternity, and you can't get out. You made your destiny for yourself. So this morning we won't even teach our children, share with our family. A lot of times family members don't want to hear because they're looking at us. Well, you're not right. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you because I'm trying to get right is why I'm sharing this with you today. Yeah. So this is what we want to do. We want to work on these things. Watch as well as pray. Because a lot of gospel music we think we're hearing is really not gospel music. It's what make money. And they put something together. So for those of us not watching, uh, we'll be tricked. But God knows yet the very intent of our hearts. And our hearts is not to turn over nothing 
to the enemy, nothing to those that are against him and us. Yeah, I've seen some award shows and some speeches that made my mouth just open and I began to pray. Yeah, I've seen this one woman got an award and she said, she see a lot of people get up to the podium and say they thank Jesus. She said he had nothing to do with her uh, in no kind of way getting her reward, uh, her award. And now the award was her God. It's dangerous, very dangerous. I know she, and God knows she didn't know what she was saying or doing. The only way to, to the Father is through his son, Jesus Christ. If we try to come any other kind of way, we come as a thief and a robber. Today, we got to hold up the bloodstained banner of Jesus and let the world know what we stand for. And the world, the, the, the church should come together. It's time out for separation. We, we just like the world, many of us, because we're separated. We don't want to come together. Everybody want to be right. Everybody want to be in power. And when you stand before God, he going to let them know the God you worship was yourself. It was never me. You never let me in. You never let me have my way in your life. You said have my have my way, but every time I went to have it, you blocked the door because you were too busy being your own God. So we bow down in humbleness before him. And we ask him for real, from a real heart, have your way in me, oh God. Don't let me be my own God. Don't let me run out here over 40 years running in your word and, and teaching and preaching and traveling and, and helping the sick and helping the poor and helping this. Don't let me do all of this and find out it was in me. It was my flesh doing all of this. I'm my own God. Lord, please help me. I want to worship you in spirit and truth. All that I do, I want to do it because this is what you would have me to do. I don't want to lead and guide myself. I want you to lead and guide me in, in all paths, in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. I want you to have your way in my life. My will become your will. And I honor your will by obeying you. I do what's pleasing and acceptable Unto you, almighty God, that have all power. Help me today to bow down. Humble down. Let my flesh die so you can live. In Jesus' name. Because we got a lot of people, I'm teaching you now, who talk about God, talk about Jesus, but they don't believe. And when the opportunity from Hollywood or anywhere else show up, they will sell them souls, their souls to the devil. They will give their lives to the devil. Now, I'm telling you, to evil. And we following these people. Many are following them. So I have to be careful because I'm not a follower. I must be led by the Spirit of God to connect with somebody. I'm not just out here. You don't hear me talking about a whole lot of these TV preachers. Uh-uh. Years and years and years ago, when I first came, the dude, God showed me some stuff behind the scenes. And I mentioned it. People didn't like it. 
because they didn't see it. But the day is coming full pledge out. It's coming out. People that people never thought would come out, but that boy Brad Pitts told me that. <laughs> he said, we got the internet now. You're going to be surprised at who come out doing what. See, because back in the day, they could hide the cameras wasn't everybody. Everybody didn't have a smartphone. Some people was bound to shut up by money, bound to shut up so they could take care of their family. They done got to retirement place where they got their money now. So they telling everything on everybody. Yeah, what went on in the dark is truly coming to the light. That's the word. I got word is fulfilling. I listened to an interview with Tyrese. He says more and more uh, the enemy coming out. He said it used to be a time when they uh, hid, you know, stayed in the basement, stayed secret. But now it's everywhere. He said well, the award shows and all these other places, people not ashamed to tell you I'm a devil worshiper. I would be too afraid to do that. Not afraid of the devil, but afraid of Almighty God who woke me up that very day I said that very thing. Yeah. For without him, we can't make it. But you would be surprised at who's devil worshiping. You'd be surprised who sold out. And they got to obey their daddy, the devil. They're yet in bondage. And unless God draw, you can't come. And some God drew. But it was taking him too long to prosper them. So they left him. They backslid. So that they can have fame and fortune. It's sad out here, I tell you. But God didn't give us the spirit of fear. He gave us power, love, and a sound mind. And today we walk by faith and not by sight. We trust God and we remain humble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's none like him. All this stuff they die. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I keep my eye out of the world the best that I can. Because I'm in the world and not of the world. You hear me say it every day, all day. I am in this old world. But I'm not of this world. And years and years and years ago, I said this too. I can't be in Hollywood. That's not a place for me. I was offered some stuff. The answer really was no. And then one time I was offered something. God just made it disappear. He made it go away. Things that I shouldn't be a part of, I don't want to be. I want to be his and his alone. It may feel like I'm being left out. It may feel like I'm lonely. It may feel like I'm missing something. I could use that. Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh, uh uh. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Yeah, because of this, God have you where he wants you. And he said, don't exalt yourself now. Remain humble. Stay where you are, Barbara. Stay put. And in due time. Yeah, I exalt you when the time is right. If the time ever come that you do exhortation, I exalt you. 
Stay humble. Obey me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And this is what I do. I, I've looked at some stuff. I've tried some stuff. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't do it. God will send who he need to send, who you need him to send. Yeah. He's giving you the desires of your heart. He's blessing you daily to walk up right before him. You're still alive. You can still study the word, Barbara. You can still pray. You still know me. You can still bathe in my glory. Hallelujah. Yeah, because I'm blessing you. Uncommon blessings. Uncommon miracles. Uncommon favor. I'm doing great things for you. What more you need? Hallelujah. Wait on the Lord. Be of a good courage. And he'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And it's already all right today in Jesus' name. I just wanted to do a little bit of encouraging there because of what I'm seeing out here. And as far as the celebrities and all this go, what I do simply need to do more is just pray for them and don't even look at what's going on with them. Pray for them and keep it moving. Yeah, and it will be all right. And I'm going to tell you something yesterday. That word Christian look like any and everybody can just use it. The word Christian. That means to follow Christ, to follow Jesus Christ. Not just do what you want to do. Everybody appears to be a Christian. But if we are Christians, he said to come out from among them and be separated. He would be your God and we would be his people. He told us to obey him. I can't club and say I'm a Christian. I can't fornicate and say I'm a Christian. I can't commit adultery and say I'm a Christian. I can't be a liar, manipulator, a user, and say I'm following Christ. Because those are not the traits of Christ, nor Jehovah, our Father, God. That those are not his traits. And then he went on to say this, My sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. All of these things are of strangeness now because we're new creatures in him. So if we're doing any of these weird things, then we are no longer his. Because he's our father and we show the traits of our father. We show love, for he's love. We show caring, because he said we could cast our cares upon him. So we care for others. We tell the truth, because he's the way, the truth, and the life. We, we don't just do in and every old thing and, and got Christian tack to our names. Preacher, apostles, bishops, evangelists, and we got all of this attached to our name. But we live in like the world. Got to come out. We got to be very careful. I mean, pay close attention. And that we see which is not God, according to his word, we come out from among it and we separate it. 
and it don't hurt us one bit. It helps us. This life is going to pass away. Even if you live to be 108 years old, this life, your life is one day going to pass away. But eternal life is forever. And I often share this is a suffering way. It's not going to feel good because the enemy is not going to uh, make it good for you. He see your dedication to the job. He see how you just want to do your job, do your work. He going to come in there and throw something in there. And then sometimes we go in there, go in, and we feel like, you know, we're important on the job. I'm the manager. I'm the district manager. I run this district. And you think everybody cares something about you. Nobody cares nothing about you. The only reason they have a little fear for you because they know you can fire them. They know you can put them out that building the same day. That's what they respect them, uh, about you. Nobody care that your wife is sick. Nobody care that your son got kicked out of college, district manager, whatever you got going on. Yeah. So this is why we remain humble. We watch as well as pray. We stay in Jesus Christ. We in him and he mainly is in us. Because if not, we'll get it twisted as the world say. We thinking it's one thing when it's another. Everybody wants to be favored. You know, in some cases, everybody wants to be loved. They want people to look up to them as, you know, they got something going on. They're doing the mm-hmm. right thing. But that's not the way the world operates. Let me tell you this. The world's favorite football player. <laughs> Let him stop making touchdowns and see what they do for him. Let him stop. Let him come out the world and say I'm separated. I'm no longer a part of the foolishness, the after parties and the this and that. And watch what happens. They'll talk about him bad. Now while he's out there and and, and they got him on a pedestal, they're going to talk about him. But if they have to take him off that pedestal, they're still going to talk about him negatively. This is why we don't think more of ourselves than we ought. This is why we come out of the world. We know who love us. The proof is always in the pudding. Yeah, this couple was on their way to church yesterday and they hollered at me. Hey, how you doing checking on you? Made me feel some kind of special. (laughs) Ah, yeah. You see? Folks who love you, one way or another, it's going to show. If they haven't heard from you, you haven't heard from them in, them in a few minutes. Let's continue and watch what happens. They're going to show up after a while and say, wait a minute. What's she doing? She ain't saying nothing to us. They are going to show up one way or another. If they know somebody who knows you and they're not able to come or they've been busy with something, they're sending that person, hey, check on uh, Sister Barbara and see what's going on. And let me know. Some way, somehow. Because we're believers. We believe in Jesus Christ. 
We believe that he, what he brings forth is what the Father taught him, and he's teaching us. What he does is what the Father taught him he could do, and he's teaching us so we can do it. Greater works, he said, we would do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we are grateful unto Almighty God this morning, and we are thankful unto him. And listen, I have this quick uh, testimony I want to go to, and then when we come back, we'll come back with our morning message from Bishop Rudolph McKissick, Jr. of Bethel Church in Jacksonville, Florida. So we're going to our testimony. Oh, no, Wes. Y'all excuse me. I didn't hear Wes Morgan. It says, this is one of the most incredible testimonies I've ever heard. That's a bold claim. The title is Ex-Mormon Gives Most Incredible Testimony Ever. This will give you chills. Look. That's a bold claim. <laughs> but let's see what's going on. Let's see. Y'all ever had the, the like Mormons come up to you on a bicycle? I'm always tempted to like preach the gospel to them. But for some reason, they just don't come up to me. Like we'll make eye contact and they just will not come up to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But anyway, let's get into this testimony uh, get your coffee, get your tea, throw in your headphones, listen to the audio, ask the spirit, as always, ask the spirit to reveal what he wants to reveal to you throughout this testimony and take it back to God. All right. Take all these testimonies back to God and let him speak to you through his word. All right. Let's get into it. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, we are grateful to be here. We're Adams Road, and we are from Florida, so we are a long way from home. We're from the other coast. And uh, as a ministry, we've been touring the country for about six years, and this is actually our first time in the state of California. So we praise God. Um, yeah. And we have received a very warm welcome from the body here, so we appreciate it. Uh, my name is Micah, and uh, I am privileged and honored to be able to share uh, what God has done in my life and how he transformed me. Uh, from a very religious man to a trophy of his grace. Um, I grew up in the state of Indiana in a very strong and faithful Mormon home where I was taught that it was in and through my works and in and in through my religious acts that I could make myself right with God. Uh, Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 10, he says that they had a zeal for God, referring to the Jews, but not according to knowledge, and that they were ignorant of the righteousness of God and that they sought to establish their own. And that described me as a young Mormon man, as I did not believe that God gave me his love freely, and I did not believe that I was saved by grace as a free gift. I believed that I had to earn my way into God's love and prove myself to God and show him that I was worthy enough to be saved. And I was very much like Saul before he became Paul. I was a very zealous, religious young man. In Galatians, Paul says that he was advancing in Judaism beyond many people his own age. How extremely zealous was he for the traditions of his fathers? And that was very much the type of young man that I was. Uh, when I was a teenager, we actually picked up and left the state of Indiana and moved right to the heart of Mormonism to Alpine, Utah. 
which is a city that is no exaggeration, about 99% uh, Mormon. And uh, my mom was actually a professor at Brigham Young University. If you guys are familiar with BYU, uh, it's a private Mormon school in Utah. And it just kind of goes to show the type of zeal that our family had for this religion. So I graduated from high school and I went to a semester at BYU. And when I turned 19, I did what's customary in the Mormon church. And that's to go on a two-year mission trip. Raise your, have you guys seen the Mormon missionaries? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Okay, white shirts, name tags, ties. Okay, I'm sure you've seen them riding their bicycles, and they might have even knocked on your doors, and you might have even spoken with them. Well, that's tradition in the Mormon church, because you want to go out and convert people, because we were taught from the time that we were children that there was no salvation outside of the Mormon church. And the only way to be saved was in and through the religious acts and works and ordinances that were provided through that particular religion. We were not taught in the the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. And so uh, when I was 19, as you can see, I went into the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah, and went on my two-year mission trip. And I actually got sent to Orlando, Florida. And what you may or may not know is that Orlando is a very evangelical and Bible-based area. And I didn't understand this at the time, so I was a little naive as a young Mormon missionary, but I was convinced that I was just going to get to Orlando and convert everybody that I saw and be the greatest missionary ever. And so I got there, and I was being very zealous and and trying to convert people into my faith and riding my bicycle and knocking on doors. And I'd been there for a few months, and I got a little, you know, what you might say overzealous in my attempt to convert others because I actually attempted to convert a Baptist minister and his whole congregation to the Mormon church, um, which I was unsuccessful in, by the way. Um, But it did open an opportunity for God to begin an amazing work in my life. And as I sat down with this Baptist minister to share with him the Mormon gospel, uh, it opened up an opportunity for God to speak through this man and to share the true gospel with me for the first time in my life. And that's what happened as I sat down with this Baptist minister. As after presenting the Mormon gospel and telling him that there were works and ordinances and commandments that had to be followed, in order to be made right with God, this this pastor's response was that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the only way to be made right with God is through Jesus Christ Mm. and through the blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. And like it says in Titus chapter 3, that when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Wow. And this was the love of God that I did not know. But it was a love of God that I always wanted. But my God only loved me as far as I proved myself to Him. But like it says in Romans 5, that God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, wow. that Christ Jesus died for us. That that was the good news, is that even though we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And that's the good news, that Jesus Christ paid the price. He paid the debt that I owed as a sinner. And He made a way for me to be made right with God and that I could have peace with God by the blood of His cross. And when He shared this with me, He also uh, shared Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one could boast. And uh, I did not understand the grace of God as a religious young man. And this pastor, for the first time, told me that salvation was a free gift. Jesus Christ had paid the price for me on the cross and all he was asking with open arms was for me to lay my religiosity and my works and my sin at the foot of the cross and allow him to take it. 
and that he had done the one work, the one act of righteousness that could bring justification and life to all men. And my response to this pastor was to completely and totally reject the gospel because I was a religious man and I was a Saul and I did not know the power of the message of the cross. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of, cross is, of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And wow. to me at that point in my life, it was foolishness. And so I ended up arguing with this Baptist minister and contending uh, for my faith, which was a faith of works. And uh, we ended up kind of getting into this confrontation. And as I was leaving his office, I was extremely frustrated and even angry. This pastor stopped me and he said, Elder Wilder, I challenge you to go home and to read the Bible as a child. Mm. And I promise you that if you will do that, that God will change your life and he will open your eyes and show you for the first time in your life what the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ really is. And so that uh, seed that was planted in my heart as a young Mormon missionary of 19 years old uh, started to change my life because I took that Baptist minister's challenge and I started to read the Word of God as a child for the first time in my life. And I started to pour over the pages of the New Testament. And every day that I did, God washed me with the water of that Word and He consumed me with this amazing love that I did not know that my religion could ever offer me. Mm. And he unveiled to me his grace in a way that I had never before seen. In uh, the book of Romans chapter 8, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then Paul goes on to say that I'm sure that nothing else in all creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this was a love that I did not know, this love, like it says in 1 John that was manifest in Jesus Christ and that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so as a Mormon missionary, for about 18 straight months, I read the New Testament and God slowly changed my heart. It was not, you know, any epiphany that happened overnight. It was, certainly wasn't one verse or chapter or even one book. It was 18 months of pouring over the Word of God and God slowly transforming me and showing me what Jesus Christ had done. And like it says in the book of Colossians chapter 2, that Jesus Christ canceled the record of debt that stood against me with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus paid the price, and all I had to do was accept him by faith. And uh, Ephesians 1.7 says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And I came to understand the cleansing and amazing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm and how that cleansed me of my sins and brought forgiveness to me for the first time in my life. And it wasn't because of who I was or what I had done for God. It's because of who He was, what He did for me in sending Jesus to be the sacrificial offering for my sins, to be my substitute on the cross, and to satisfy the demands of God's law that stood against me. And He took it for me. And the work was done. And all my religious works were like filthy rags to God because I was not accepting Jesus Christ alone by faith. And so I got to the point with only three weeks left of my two-year mission trip for the Mormon church, and I actually became a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
all praise and glory and honor to God. Because I can tell you, I was not looking to walk away from my religion. But God pursued my heart relentlessly until I just had to give up. (laughs) Because I was so broken in my sin and realized that Jesus was the only thing that could heal me of my sin. And so I now found myself in a very difficult predicament because I'm a born-again Christian and a Mormon missionary, and it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Um, Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And I was a new creation, and I had changed, and I could not hide that. And I remember just praying to God, saying, well, what am I supposed to do now? You know, who do I tell? How do I come forward with this to my family and my friends and my religion? And God opened a door for me, and it was in a very terrifying and unimaginable way. And that was in a mission system about three weeks before you go home from your two-year mission trip. You have this opportunity where you're supposed to stand in front of your missionary peers and your leadership and share your testimony of what you've learned during the course of your two-year mission trip. Everybody always knows where this is going. And so I remember it was my turn to get up and share what my testimony was. And I remember standing at the pulpit in this Mormon chapel and just trembling in fear. Um, But Paul says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And by the power of God and by His grace, I was able to share a very simple testimony. Um, Joseph, sitting back here to my left, was one of the Mormon missionaries who was sitting in the audience at the time that I shared this testimony. So you might be able to guess what happened to him. Uh, praise God. And so I got up there and my testimony was simply that the one thing that I had come to know over the course of my two-year mission trip was that Jesus Christ was all that I needed. Wow. That His blood and His grace were sufficient for my eternal life. And that I knew for the first time in my life that I was saved, not because of my works, but because of the free gift of grace that He was offering me. Wow. And um, when I shared that, there was a very awkward hush over the audience. <laughs> And um, two days after I publicly shared that testimony, I received a phone call from my Mormon leadership. And they said that they wanted to have a chat with me. (laughs) And I very quickly realized why they wanted to uh, sit down and talk with me. And I can, of course, laugh and smile about it now, but this was probably the single most terrifying moment of my entire life. Uh, And as you know things about religion and about the world, that they can have a hold on you. And this is who I was. My mom was a tenured professor at BYU. My dad was a high priest of Mormonism. I had two older brothers that were both, you know, returned Mormon missionaries. I had a girlfriend who was Mormon. I had a scholarship to BYU. I mean, this was my life. This was everything that I was and wanted to be. And God had called me out of that and into a relationship with Him. But Jesus says that what is the profit of man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? Amen. And even though Mormonism had the whole world to offer me, I knew that I did not have salvational security through my religion. I could only have that through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, before I had to go into this meeting, I remember just you know, pleading with God to give me strength and grace and help. And I was reading the Bible, and I somehow, by the grace of God, was led to the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 29. And it's a Jesus responding to the apostle Peter, and he says that anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. And that was the word of God that he laid on my heart. And I realized so quickly that if I lost everything in the world for the sake of gaining Christ, that it was worth the cost because I was gaining something that far surpassed anything that the world or my religion could offer. And that was a relationship with my Lord and my Savior, my God. And so um, 
like Jesus says in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And Jesus Christ has satisfied me and quenched my thirst in a way that nothing else in the world could. And when Jesus was with the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never be thirsty. Mm. And I have found that I am not thirsty anymore because I have Jesus and he's all that I need. And so I went into this meeting and sat face to face with my Mormon leadership and uh, God just put words in my mouth and I told them that I did not need the Mormon church or any religion or organization or man or prophet or anything to stand in between me and God the Father. Mm. But like Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who offered himself as the ransom for all, and I knew that he had bought me and paid for my salvation with his blood, and I was his. And uh, when I shared that witness to him, uh, he told me that I was filled with the spirit of the devil, uh, that I was being deceived by Satan. Uh, they threatened me with excommunication, uh, referred to me as an antichrist, and mm. uh, the worst insult he gave me, and this is true, by the way, is he said I sounded like a Baptist. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know what that means. And so at that point, of course, I was kicked off my Mormon mission. That was the inevitable result. So I had to go back uh, to Utah and face my family. Um, my girlfriend, who was at Brigham Young University over the course of my two-year mission trip, uh, she and I had been corresponding through letters, and I was sharing the gospel with her as I was coming to know it by reading the Word of God. And God led her on an amazing journey, and she also came to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she is now my wife, and we have three wonderful and amazing little boys uh, for whom I praise God. And so I got home and then had my family to face. Uh, Matt over here at the piano is actually one of my older brothers. <laughs> so you might be able to guess what happened to him. And uh, it was at that point that I just very simply and with as much love as I could have just shared with them the simple gospel and invited them to read the Bible as a child and allow God to do a work in his life as he had done in mine. And I praise the Lord uh, because that seed was planted and there were many people that watered it, but it was God and God alone in his time that did the growth in the lives of my family members. And to this day, uh, both my brother and my sister, as well as my parents, have all come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so my mom and dad uh, are actually here tonight, that's them, and uh, God has done an amazing thing in their lives. And my mother, the former BYU professor, is actually here tonight, and she's going to come up and share a word. And so if you guys can just praise God and welcome her. Wow. That was an incredible testimony. The title did not lie. You know what's crazy? He gave up everything. In faith. And God restored it all back to him. He walked away from the Mormon church. Excommunication. They were calling him an antichrist. They, 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 were, they were saying that he had the spirit of the devil inside of him because he was bold enough to tell them that Jesus is the only way. His parents... He said his dad was a, a, a high priest, a Mormon high priest. I don't know what that is. But obviously, 
that's a, a leadership role within the, the Mormon church, it sounds like. His dad's a Mormon high priest. His mom's a professor at BYU, both very strong in their Mormon you know, religion. He goes back to them and they get saved. His girlfriend at the time gets saved. Now his wife, his, his brother, his siblings. But in that moment when he chose Christ, he, 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 he turned away and he gave up everything that he had, everything he was working towards. He's on a mission trip. He gave all of, all of that up, gave his family up, and Christ is so good. God is so good that he restored that back to him and, and saved his family in the process. But if it wasn't for him stepping out in boldness, and if it wasn't for that preacher telling him to read the Bible like a child, he wouldn't have been saved. His wife wouldn't have been saved. His children wouldn't have been saved. His mom, his dad, his siblings would not have been saved. And just imagine how many people he's been able to impact through his testimony, specifically in the Mormon church, who have most likely turned to Christ because of, number one, that preacher planting that seed. And this individual, I don't know his name, let me see if I can figure out his name. But him being bold enough. Micah, Micah Wilder, for him being bold enough to profess Christ to everyone around him. Wow. That's an incredible. But you know what else he said that really struck me as well? He went and he, he, he read the Bible. He said it was a process. He said it was an 18-month process. It did not happen overnight. And I think that's beautiful because everyone's going to have their own relationship with God. For some people, it might happen overnight. For some people, it might take 18 months. For some people, it might take 18 years. I pray it doesn't take that long. But we're all on our own process. We're all on our own journey. And we just have to trust God and have faith and submit to him completely. And not fall in love with this world more than we love God. That's a beautiful testimony. I'll link the, the full video down below um, in the description. Let me know.
26 verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I will tell you. Stay in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt there in Gerar. Jay, walk with me very quickly right over to verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines were jealous of him. Amen. You may be seated in the very presence of our God. I want to preach tonight as the Spirit shall guide with this thought in our minds. The rewards of staying put. The rewards of staying put. I am... Um, I start, I start this, this conversation tonight 
very transparently about something. Most of you know that I am pastoring uh, the church where my father pastored for some 47 years. I've been back there at that church now since 1995. It is the church I was born and raised in. I was born on 15th Street, but some eight months after I was born, my father moved to the parsonage, which was right next door to the church. And so all my life, Bethel is all I've known outside of when I went to Florida State College and then seminary and pastored in Richmond, pastored in Toledo. I remember when my father asked me about coming back home, I eventually, or at first rather, told him no. He came back to me about a month and a half later and told me that the leadership had come to him and asked him to ask me. And I said to him, I won't come if you ask me. I'll only come if they vote for me. Because if anything ever happens and you're gone, if you brought me and they didn't vote for me, they can kick me out. And so they voted and I came back home and in 1995, I became the assistant pastor with my father there. I went back home to people who had known me when, had sat me on their knee, who had disciplined me as a little boy, who spent time reminding me of my childhood stories as a psychological way to remind me that I was still young. I went back to people who knew me as Rudy and called me Rudy to remind me Rudy was all I would ever be. I put up with it because it was my home. Back then, I was not as tempered and mature as I am now, and so I was subject to cuss or say something bad to them before I walked away from them. We moved into the new building in 2000. God blessed me to be a part of building that building. Wonderful edifice, seats 4,800. We've got uh, classroom space, 32 classrooms, wonderful edifice, great place to be. But about the year 2005, I got tired of being there. I got tired of being there because in a real sense, and I'm not sharing anything with you that I haven't shared with Bethel, so I can say this, I got tired of waiting. I've been back home for now 10 years and got tired of having ideas that I had to suppress. I got tired of having to preach to my people on Sundays but administrate my father's people on staff. I was ready to leave. I was ready to go. Several people, several offers came from this place, that place. Several ones entertained here and there. I was ready to go. My father had heard about some of the offers and didn't say anything to me, but had said to somebody, he's a grown man. If he wants to go, he can go. I was absolutely sick of being at Bethel. I preached every Sunday. I was the only one preaching, but I knew I was the preacher, but not the pastor. It became a frustrating thing for me because I knew I was built for more than this. It began to affect my relationship with my father. It began to affect my relationship with my mother. And my entire family lives in Jacksonville. It got to the point 
where I wouldn't even talk to any of them during the week because they were a reminder that I didn't want to be there. I would come down to the pulpit late, finish preaching, wipe my brow, go back up the stairs, never to come back down. It's your church. You close it out. I'm done with what I'm here to do. I'll never forget about three years ago, the Lord said to me when I had another opportunity to walk away, he said to me, you leave this place and you'll never be blessed. And I said, but God, I'm tired of being here. I'm sick of being here. I don't want to be here. I'm, I'm tired of the rumors. I've been a drug dealer. I've been a homosexual. I've been a hoe. I've got uh, babies from women I ain't never even met. I got women I've slept with whose names I don't even know. I'm tired of being in this place. God said, I don't care how tired you are. That's where I called you to be. And if you walk away from this place, you might get more, but you won't be in my will. I stand here tonight, some years later, now as the only pastor of that church, and I look back on all of those moments and I see where we are as a church. I see where my relationship is with my father. I see what the Lord is doing in the Bethel Church. During that time, Dewey, I got prostate cancer. Because in the Bethel Church, uh, the head of family medicine at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville is my member. He hooked me up with the greatest urologist on the East Coast because I had a back problem during that time. Mayo Clinic right there with the head of family medicine being my member hooked me up with the greatest spine specialist when I lost my voice because I stayed in Jacksonville. My wife took me to the ENT that had taken my tonsils out years ago who gave me back my voice in 20 minutes. If I had left, all of those problems still would have happened, but I would not have been in place and God said to me, I knew what was coming that you didn't know was coming. And if you had walked away from where I put you, you would have missed the deliverance I had in place for where I had you. All I'm trying to tell you tonight is that there are rewards to staying where you don't want to be. There are benefits to staying put. And it happened right here in this text. With Isaac, there's a famine in the land, which means there were no resources around to sustain Isaac and his family. And the Bible declares that God says to Isaac, don't go down to Egypt because there was no famine in Egypt and there were resources down there. And when there was a famine in his daddy's time, that's what his daddy did. He said to him, don't do what your daddy did, but stay where you are and watch me bless you in the place where it doesn't look like you can be blessed. God, I'm preaching my own story. Because it's a land of famine. There is nothing there that would even suggest 
to Isaac that the command from God even makes any sense. There were no visible signs. There was nothing to confirm it for Isaac. He just had to take God at his word. Even if what God said didn't seem to be lining up with what Isaac saw. And God says, if you stay put, I will empower you to be blessed right where it looks like nothing can be blessed. I will increase you right there. Watch this. In the place where you're praying for me to move you from. Yeah, I know I ain't going to get too many amens. He says, if you trust me, I will bless you when it looks like blessings ain't there. And I'm already talking to somebody tonight because you've been praying for God to get you out of something. Praying for God to move you away from something. Praying for God to deliver you out of something. And I didn't come tonight with a word, six keys to deliverance, seven principles to breakthrough. I came tonight to tell you this might be a season where God is testing your faith and telling you it looks like an opportunity to run but stay put he makes these promises to Isaac here's what I've discovered God always makes promises against the backdrop of impossibilities sweet that was good God never makes promises when it looks like it can come true because if it looks like it can come true, you don't need faith to walk it out. <laughs> and the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So God sets you up in impossible situations, not only to see if you'll trust him, but give you a chance to please him. And you've got to decide, will I believe what I see or will I trust what God says? And you've got to make the decision that I'm going to stay where I don't want to be and let God bless me where I want to get away from. How's everybody doing? Got shout tonight. I, I, I got blessed because he followed the instructions of God when they looked like instructions not worth following. Here's our problem. Um, by instinct, when things dry up, you want to go to Egypt where there is certainty of resource. Oh, Jesus. Because it is the natural instinct of survival and self-preservation. So, a job offers you more money, the natural instinct is to think it's God. Oh, it didn't get tight in here now. So because he offered to put a ring on your finger, the natural instinct is to think he's the one. And we kick into protection mode because we feel our future threatened if we stay here. But God said, if you just take me at 
my word, I will bless you right where it looks like there's nothing for you. And I don't know about you tonight, but I would rather be where God wants me to be than be where God told me not to go. I don't know about you, but I would rather have God with me than somebody promising me a paycheck. I would rather have God with me than somebody putting a ring on my finger. I would rather be in the right place relative to God's word and God's will than to be where I think I should be and where it looks like I should be and where I think I'll be better because what looks better ain't always in the will of God for your life. Ain't nobody talking to me tonight. I may not want to be where God tells me to be, but if that's where God said God would be, then that's where you're going to find me. Who am I talking to tonight? I don't like where I am, but if God said that's where he's going to be, that's where I'm going to be. I'm sick of where I am, but if God said that's where he's going to be, that's where I'm going to be. In that marriage, on that job, in that city, in that ministry, in God's will. See, every now and then, you've got to find your praise in the reality that you're in His will. See, I know y'all shout it. Because we've been taught in this materialistic church that you only preach when you get, you shout when you get stuff. So we only shout because he gave us something. But I'm looking for some folk tonight who can say this praise ain't because I got money. It ain't because I got a car. I'm shouting because I'm in his will. Because if I'm in his will, that means he's satisfied with me. I know this is new school, but the old school said, but the question comes to me. And when I think of Calvary, is my master satisfied with me? So shake somebody's hand real quick and tell him you ought to be glad you're in his will. You ought to shout just because you're in his will because when you're in his will he'll keep you. When you're in his will he'll protect you. When you're in his will he'll hold you. When you're in his will he'll sustain you. Just high five somebody and tell him I'm in his will. See discovered that when I stay in his will he obligates himself to protect me and keep me and hold me no matter what there is before me. See, see, other folk can talk about his delivering power, but some of y'all know how to talk about his keeping power. Other folk have to talk about he got me out, but some of y'all can talk about he kept me in. I should have been crazy, but he kept me when I was in some... Do I have any keeping power testimonies? Is there anybody can say he ain't getting me out, but he kept me in it like I wasn't going through it because he's got keeping. Say, I ain't one of them sermons. Listen. God said, if you stay in my will, even when you don't like where you are, even when you catch in hell where you are, here's what I've discovered too. That God's ability 
is always greater than my extremities. What you mean, good God from Zion? That means no matter how extreme your difficulty might be, God's power is greater than your situation is extreme. I thought I'd have about 90 of y'all shout right there. I don't care how extreme it is. He's got more power than the extremity of your difficulty. You ain't got an extreme problem that God cannot handle. So stay right there and let the Lord keep you. Now let me show you. I already knew. Matter of fact, I sat over there almost being disobedient. I started scrolling through the iPad. And I said, God, I won't preach this because this ain't, you know, folk don't hear nothing about stay put. God said, you just preach it and let, let me handle the rest. Um, here's why you have to stay put when God tells you to stay where you don't want to be. And here's why, why you got to stay put when God tells you to stay put in a place where it don't look like there's nothing to stay for. Because your choice to stay put is not about your current satisfaction but about future transactions you got your Bible open look, 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 look at what God says to him around verse 3 and around verse 6 he says to him dwell in that land and I'm going to bless you watch this and I'm going to give to your descendants, Jesus Christ, all this land. And I'm going to perform the oath I swore to your daddy. I'm coming back to that. I'm going to make your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-great-grandchildren multiply as the stars in heaven, watch it, and your seed is going to bless the nations because your daddy obeyed my voice. Come here, let me break it down for you. He says, if you stay where I told you to stay, there's going to be a trickle-down effect to the blessings on your life. I'm going to multiply your seed. Here it is. Your children will be so blessed that no numeric value will be able to sum up just how blessed they are. See, if I was saying this was about you, you'd be shouting. Let me say it one more time. He says, if you obey me today, in the future, your children will be so blessed by your actions today that there ain't a number around to describe how blessed they really are. So the blessings from your obedience last longer than the season of frustration in your decision. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Your life today ain't about you. Oh, y'all don't like this. What you are doing today is setting up legacy for your children to be blessed 
when you ain't here no more. Y'all ain't trying to help me. Because if your actions don't bless nobody but you, that's a pitiful person. I need to be doing everything I'm doing today because I know God's going to honor my faith by blessing my children and my children. So watch this. This next shout ain't for what you got. I want you to shout real quick for the blessings your children ain't seen yet. But you know it's on the way. Come on right quick. Shout for your children's blessing. Shout for your grandchildren's blessing. They ain't even born yet. But because you gonna be faithful, it's gonna fall on the... Wait, hold on. I'm going to come get y'all. Because look what God said to him in verse 5. He said, he said, and I will perform the oath I swore to your father. Watch what he goes on to say. And your seed is going to bless the nation because of your father. Oh, y'all ain't helping me. God says, Isaac, the only reason you're even in position to see me do this is because your father did what I told him to do. And because of what I told him I would do for you is why he did what he did. So what he did, he did for you. So now you do what he did for you. And now what he did for you that's blessing you is going to bless your children because you doing what he did. Y'all missed your shout. Y'all missed your shout right there. He says the only reason you are this blessed, Isaac, is because you had a daddy who walked in my way. See, the reason some of us are blessed like we are is because you had a mama or you had a daddy or you had a grandmama who lived for the Lord. Come on, y'all talk to me in here. Your mama and daddy didn't have a mansion. Your mama and daddy wasn't driving a Bentley. Your mama and daddy didn't have a million dollars in the bank. Your mom and daddy wasn't a CEO but I'll tell you what they did have faith and because they had faith they prayed for you when you wasn't praying for yourself because they had faith they anointed you when you were asleep some of y'all better shout right now and thank God for a praying mama or a faithful daddy or a praying grandmama your life should be worse your battle should have been lost and he only blessed you because of somebody who came before you. Thank you for my mom. Thank you for my daddy. Thank you. Thank you for my granddaddy who wore a suit every day but prayed every morning. Thank you for a grandmama who didn't have nothing but a third grade education, but she knew how to call on your name. Some of y'all better be shouting right now because our ancestors had a praying spirit. And the only reason you've survived some stuff is because somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, 
took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. Shake three people's hands and tell them you better shout over the folk that prayed for you. You better shout over the people whose faith is blessing you right now. I done smoked enough weed that my brain ought to be fried. I done slept with enough women that I ought to be worse off than I really am. Don't look at me like y'all crazy. I done been drunk, so drunk, I woke up in beds I didn't even know how I got there. And the only reason I'm in my right mind ain't because I passed the Bethel, but because I had a mother and a father whose faith is honored in my lifetime. And I ain't by myself. Some of y'all done did everything I did. And the only reason you ain't destroyed is because God threw the blessing of their faith on your life. So now... God said, I'm going to bless your children because your daddy was faithful. Every current choice is about a future transaction. But there's something else. You've got to make the decision to maximize your moments and minimize your misery. Good God. Huh? Mm-hmm. Maximize your moments. Minimize your misery. The verses I didn't read to you, you know, uh, they come and they ask Isaac, that's your, that's your wife? Um, she sure is fine. That's what the Bible said. We get so sanitized. The Bible said she was beautiful. And Isaac, wanting to protect his wife, did what his daddy did. Lied. <laughs> That's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> and, 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 you know, just, just cutting across the field, uh, the king realizes when he sees the affection between the two of them, you don't act that way with your sister. <laughs> and so he comes forth with the truth, and the king puts out the edict. Anybody mess with them, anybody mess with his wife, you want to deal with me. Watch this next verse. It says, watch this, that Isaac sold. Thanksgiving ought to lead to giving. That ain't where I'm going. That ain't what got me, do we? Isaac sold in that land. Y'all missed it. Um, He sold in the land. God told him to stay put in where there was nothing to dwell on. he thought was not enough he sold now my first question was 
If it's a famine, where does he get the crops from that he sows? Y'all think I'm going to say something deep? I don't know. But ain't that how some of your blessings are? When folk ask you how you got it, your only answer is, come on, I thought I was going to find it. How'd you get that job and you ain't even got the degree? I don't know. How did you get that house and you ain't got the credit? I don't know. How in the world did you come out safe? I don't know. Are there any I don't know testimony? I can't tell you how he did it, but I can tell you that he did it. And since I know he did it, I'm going to thank him even when I don't understand He sold. So, so he's got some crops in a famine. So he sows. Y'all ain't gonna like this. Instead of holding on to it because of the financial condition of the place, he trusted God enough and sold. In that land. Instead of throwing a penny party about not liking where he is and God doesn't forget all about me, he maximizes potential moments that causes him to minimize pity parties. Preach.com. Um, if you maximize Moments of potential where God has you. He will not only take care of you, but then he will start to increase you in the place where there looked like there was nothing to be increased. And the Bible says in the same year. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. When he sowed. In the same year, y'all didn't hear what I just said, when he decided to trust God with the resource, because you can't multiply what you hold on to. In the same year, God blessed him 100-fold. That ain't even where I want to go. It's what it said after that. That because he sold, what's, what's the language of this text? Because he sold, the man began to prosper. Now don't, don't get all jacked up. This ain't no prosperity sermon. The word prosper there is the Hebrew word for success. For reach. All right, y'all with me? So the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. The man or the woman began to prosper and continued prospering until they became very prosperous. The word prosper and prosperous are two different Hebrew words in the text, do we? The word prosperous is the word wealthy. He sold 
until he went from being rich to being wealthy. See, the problem with black folk is, uh-oh, we so busy wanting to be rich that we don't know how to be wealthy. And so the reason we can't own nothing, open up nothing, or keep nothing is because we rich, but we ain't wealthy. I know I shouldn't have preached this on the last night. Can I tell you what wealthy is? Wealthy is when I'm able to give and not miss it. Y'all ain't helping me in here. Uh, Wealthy is when I'm able to give and not feel it's gone. Wealthy is when I start looking for who I can bless. Y'all ain't talking to me tonight. Rich folk go to North Park Mall. Wealthy folk open up franchises. Wealthy folk feed the needy. Wealthy folk build social justice. Y'all done got quiet on me in here now. Because we so busy being rich, wearing name brand, not knowing that when you wear name brand, you're just a billboard for somebody else's creativity. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I don't want to be rich, I want to be wealthy. Because I want to be able to bless somebody else. I don't want to just be wealthy in money. I want to be wealthy in joy so I can spread it. I want to be wealthy in peace so I can spread it. I want to be wealthy in intellect so I can spread it. I want you to find five people and tell them, let's get wealthy so that we can be a blessing to somebody. Listen. See. Don't worry. I'm going to come get your voice over. See. Most people think that prosperity is having enough for them. And having something left over to have in the bank. Prosperity and wealth is when God can say to you, I'm about to give you things. And when I give it to you, I'm going to tell you, this ain't for you, it's for her. Y'all ain't ready for this. God is about to put some of you in place where you won't be working on your needs any longer and you ain't going to be working on your wants. God's getting ready to put some of y'all in a wealthy place where you're going to be working on somebody else's need because he blesses you to be a blessing to somebody. I'm almost done. I know this ain't the kind of words you used to. On the last night, but, but I'm almost 15. I've been coming here 15 years. I don't really care. Um, I don't preach to entertain no more. I preach assignment. So um, let me say this to you. Here's the next thing. You can't believe for prosperity and be against persecution. Mm. Mm. Uh, 
If you don't want persecution, don't ask God to bless you. As, as a matter of fact, sometimes the evidence of your success is seen in the evidence of your haters. Sometimes the confirmation of your success ain't the folk that like you. Woo! Sometimes the confirmation of your success are the folk that can't stand you. And instead of you being mad with them, you need to tell some of them, I didn't even know I was that blessed until you started messing with me. I didn't even know I was all of that until I heard how you was running your mouth about me. I didn't even know I had it going on like that until you started. So, so thank you for showing me how blessed I am. I'm in the text. He sold in that land, went from rich to being wealthy, and the Philistines envied him. They saw in the famine somebody being blessed while they struggled. And they got mad. Y'all help me preach this. I've been preaching a long week and my voice is tired. Would you look at somebody real quick, put your best preaching voice on and tell them, neighbor, I'm going to prosper and I'm going to continue prospering and I'm going to become very prosperous until somebody gets mad. I'm going to be blessed until somebody can't stand me. I'm going to be blessed until somebody don't even want to sit by me. I'm going to be blessed until somebody says I get on their nerves. Am I talking to anybody tonight? If you start walking in blessings, somebody's going to get mad. And I'm going to speak to you while you're mad. I might even bless you while you're mad. People are going to get mad with you. But you got to learn to say, child, they just mad because I'm being blessed. Child, they just mad because I got it going on. See, as long as y'all were suffering together, they were down with you. But now that you're walking in your blessing, they can't stand you. And if you're living godly, spending time in the Word, being a blessing to other people, walking according to His will, don't you dare care what people have to say when God starts blessing your life. That was my question. What made them so angry? Philistines. What? What? Why are they so mad? You got to remember, this is a famined land, which means drought is everywhere. And on everything, nothing is growing. Nothing is producing. Isaac has neighbors who are watching him 
in the same predicament they're in, but having different results. Oh my God. There's a famine. He's sowing crop, which means the ones that are mad can only be mad if they've tried what he did but didn't get what he got. So the folk that are mad have already had crop failure. All the farms in that land are not producing. And yet Isaac sows and produces a harvest. Same land, same weather. What they didn't understand is that the miracle for the harvest wasn't the ground, it was Isaac. Y'all missed it. The ground is the same. The weather is the same. The difference between their land and Isaac's land is that this land is Isaac's. Y'all ain't got it yet. Now, not this land is fertile. This land is Isaac's. Y'all ain't got it yet. And that makes the difference because he's the one the blessing is on. It ain't got nothing to do with the land, good God from Zion. It's got everything to do with the one God put the blessing on. Y'all ain't heard me yet. It had everything to do with the one God chose to put the blessing. It ain't the ground. It's the man. You've got to get to the point of knowing that you're the blessed one. You're the one that God chose. And the reason it's going to work is because you're the one that's walking in God's will. It ain't because of where you live. It ain't because of what side of the tracks you were from. It ain't because of where your business is located. It's because it's yours. And you're the one the blessing is on. Not because his land was better, but because he was chosen. The land belonged to somebody that was chosen. So the land <laughs> responds because the one that is chosen owns the land he's standing on. God doesn't put the blessing on stuff. There are a whole lot of folk that got the same stuff you got. Y'all ain't trying to talk to me. He puts the blessing on you. And when you decide to walk in obedience to his will and his word, he acts. 
activate the blessing that is on you so that every place your foot shall touch, it is absolutely going to be blessed. Not because of the ground, but because you've got the blessing. Look at somebody real quick and tell them it's on me. It ain't in my house. It ain't in my car. It ain't because I go to a certain church, but tell them the blessing is on me. And because the blessing is on me, that means anything connected to me gets the benefit of my blessing. Anything I touch gets the benefit of my blessing. Would you do me a favor real quick? Just put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and tell them, neighbor, let me tell you the best thing happened to you tonight. You sat next to me because the blessing is on me. And anything I touch and everything I'm connected to, it gets my blessing. I want you to find somebody and put your hands on them and tell them receive the blessing because it's all on me. Receive the blessing of peace because it's on me. Receive the blessing of patience because it's on me. Receive the blessing of a smile because it's on me. Is there anybody in here who can say I know I'm blessed not because I drive a fancy car not because I have a fat bank account not because I live in a mansion but I know I'm blessed because he put his hands on me I want you to high five somebody and tell them you're looking at a blessed person you're looking at a prosperous person that's why I wake up in the morning saying this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it that's why I wake up every morning and say with my hands lifted up and my mouth filled with praise with the heart of thanksgiving I will bless thee oh Lord good night friendship West may the Lord God bless you real good but is there anybody in here who can help me close this sermon? Stand on your feet and wave your hand like you're blessed. Shout like you're blessed. Scream like you're blessed. As a matter of fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say I'm the captain of this row. And because I'm on this row, everybody on my row is blessed. Everybody on my row is successful. Everybody on my row got joy. Now do like you did in elementary school. Touch your neighbor and tell them take it and pass it down. Take it and pass it down. Pass the joy. Pass the peace. Pass the love. Pass the smile. Pass the prosperity. I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't want to be the only one that's got the blessing on me. When I walk in my house tonight, I'm walking in a blessed house. When I get in the bed tonight, I'm laying in a blessed bed. When I kiss my spouse tonight, I'm kissing on a blessed person. When I go to my job tomorrow, I'm walking in a blessed building. They just don't know 
the only reason the business is having its success is because they hired me because I got the blessing. Anybody in here know that the Lord will put the blessing on you. The Lord will give you favor. The Lord will give you peace. The Lord will give you joy. The Lord will give you a sound mind. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he fight your battles? Won't he make your enemies your footstool? Won't he give you joy and sorrow? Won't he give you hope for tomorrow? Won't he dry your tears? Won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he? Because I know how blessed I am. I woke up this morning saying the Lord is blessing me right now. And because I know how blessed I am, I can say he woke me up early this morning, started me on my way. And is there anybody know you're blessed? Then I dare you to just start walking around and say, bless where I walk, bless what I touch, bless where I walk, bless where I touch, bless my children, bless my marriage, bless my family, bless my enemies, bless my church, and do I have a witness that knows if you walk on it, he will bless it, if you walk on it, he will give it to you, and get out of your pew, walk to the other side, and say, neighbor, you look like you need a blessing, you look like you need joy, you look like you need peace, let me give you what the Lord gave me, and he walks with me, he Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting in my
to the end. You got to endure wherever you're at. <laughs> Apostle Paul said, be content. Yeah, many days where I'm at, I don't like it, but I'm not moving, huh? I'm going to stay put. I know this way he placed me. Yeah, and I know the blessings and miracles, even the more, are on their way. So I'm going to stand still and know that he is God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, don't be so quick to move. Yeah, grass always looking greener on the other side, and you get over there and find out the grass is dead. Yeah, uh, where you at, it was green, but when you got over there, it's brown. Grass is dead. Yeah, hallelujah. Listen, we talked about it on Friday, the Bible quiz, and I think I gave five questions. Um. The first one is what prompted Solomon to kill his brother uh, Adonijah. And so uh, I put it as poll over on Jesus in the morning on Facebook. And uh, Sister Dot asked him, well, can I put my answer over there? I said, no, I posted over there so you wouldn't forget the question. But I want you to come to the show and answer the question. So if anybody ready this morning to answer that first question, or if you took the second question, which is of whom was David speaking when he said that love to me was wonderful, passing the love of a woman. The next one was what caused Paul to first preach the gospel to the Galatians, to the Galatians. Uh, number four was how many times hotter than usual did Nebuchadnezzar order the furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And then the last one was, how long was Moses on Mount Sinai with God to get the Ten Commandments? So I thought this would just take us back a little bit and give us a little bit of Bible research and uh, we could, you know, learn some things daily, maybe some things we've forgotten. So I wanted to bring this forth. If nobody is ready, I'll take the first one. And uh, that first one is coming out of uh, 1 Kings. Let me make sure, y'all, because y'all know I mess up something right now. 1 Kings, the second chapter, and looking at verse 23. But I want to make sure nobody wanted to take number one. If you want number one, raise your hand. Press that number one. And I'll bring you in to discuss it. All right, brother Anthony. All right, brother Anthony. Good morning, sir. God bless you. How are you? Bless how the favor. Good morning to you, Mr. Barber. Good morning, everybody. Mr. Barber, good God. Thanks for waking up this morning. Thank God for life, health, and script. Keep my right mind around me to see another day. Never seen before. And I'm just thankful for what you're doing in me, where you brought me from, where you're taking me at. And please be here this morning. What, and what was the question again, Ms. Barber, the first question? The, the question was, what prompted Solomon to kill his older brother, uh, Adonijah? Remember, it was a bunch of foolishness going on over there, even with uh, Solomon's oh, mother. Oh, uh, he... I think the, the the one brother slipped with uh kind of raped the sister. By no, no, that's um. Oh, I can't think of the boy name now. Tamar, Tamar, and, and uh, yeah, 
that was over there, uh, David's daughter and the cousins or the step. Yeah. I can't quite remember myself right offhand. But yeah, I know her name was Tamar. And then uh, David's son went over there and killed all of them for that. <laughs> yeah. But this is uh, Solomon. Oh. And he had an older brother, and they wanted to take uh, Solomon's place. Because, you know, David had wives and cuckabines and all of that. And so he wanted to take the uh, place of Solomon, and he had a bunch of stuff cooked up with Abishag and uh, Adonai. And it, it, it was just a bunch of stuff. That's what I was saying. And so he went to Solomon. And he asked Solomon a question. And for that, Solomon got with him and went on and did him up. They killed him. Yeah. So I, I'll take number one and somebody else will be looking for number two. Number two is of whom was David speaking when he said that love to me was wonderful, passing the love of a woman. But on the number one about uh, the older brother asking um Solomon a question this is what prompted him to kill him is he asked Solomon to give him a wife yeah he asked Solomon to give him a wife take a look at it over there in first Kings the second chapter in the 23rd verse it says then King Solomon swear by the Lord saying God do so to me and more also if Adonijah have not spoken this word against his own life he asked for that wife. And Solomon said, I got something for you. Yeah. All right. Okay, Sister Dot, God bless you this morning. How are you? Uh, I'm blessed. And good morning, blessed to you and all the listeners. Um, the answer to number two is Jonathan. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yes it is, Sister Fred. It is Jonathan. It was it was found in Sam second Samuel one um verse twenty six. Yes, ma'am, it was. Yes, ma'am, you got it, Sister Dot. Yep. It was found in Second Samuel chapter one and verse twenty six. And he was truly talking to Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he had to leave Jonathan because he sent John. Well, Jonathan went to uh, get the information to bring back to him whether or not King Saul wanted to kill David. Jonathan was Saul's son. And uh, when he went back, Jonathan found out that Saul really was going to kill David. So he come back to deliver the message. And they hugged and everything because they hated to depart. They was good friends, you know, good brothers. Like, and he told him, you know, your love is better than a woman's, in other words, because I don't have to worry about you cheating. I don't have to worry about you tricking me in no kind of way, in other words. But it was a beautiful relationship between them two. Yeah, good friends, good friends. And so that was Jonathan. Number three says this. What caused Paul to first preach the gospel to the Galatians? 
what Paul, Paul the first preached the gospel to the Galatians. Uh, what did I hear? Tell me what you got for that. <laughs> you know what? I didn't actually write, write it down because what? Well, I think it was because uh, Paul had a uh, chronic sickness. He had a, 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 what the Bible says, infirmity of the flesh. All right, I looked the infirmity, and it said it was a sickness or bodily disease. And yes, ma'am, that is the correct answer. The correct answer is this, an infirmity of the flesh. And it's found over in Galatians chapter 4 and 13. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know how through infirmity of the flesh, I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Yes, ma'am. You found the right one. You found the right one. Now, number four says this. How many times hotter than usual did Nebuchadnezzar order the furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many times hotter did he tell them to turn that furnace up? One seven times more than usual. Oh, that all in the day. Yes, yes, yes. And that's coming out of uh, Daniel chapter 3 and 19. He ordered them to turn it up seven times. Yeah, that's what he told them to do, turn that thing up seven more times. Go ahead, Sister Dot. Oh, I was just repeating. Seven times. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I love it. I love it. So look, wait, I'm going to get it. All right. So that's over in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more that it was wont to be heated. Yeah. Told him to turn it up. Four and thirteen. Mm-hmm. No, no, uh three and nineteen. Three and nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Anybody want number five? Oh, I didn't see for five. Did I just put four over there since I died? I only saw four now. Maybe I looked over five. Okay, well we'll we'll start with number five today and I'll go five and see. One, two, three, four. I'll go five through seven this time. Okay. And this will be our so second thing. We just go the over to you. Yeah. Uh-oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was five or oh, how many days uh, Moses was on the Mount Sinai? Uh-huh. Oh, that, uh, 40 days, 40 nights. And yes, sir. And 30-second chapter. Wait, say that one again, Brother Anthony. Forty days and forty uh, nights, and what chapter? Exodus, uh, the thirty-second chapter. Okay. Well, I was looking at uh, let me go to Exodus thirty-six, but I was looking at Deuteronomy nine and nine. But let's look at Exodus thirty-six. Thirty to thirty-two. Thirty-two, thirty-two, thirty-second. All right. Wait a minute. Let me get over here to this one. 
Okay, what what verse? Thirty two and what? Give you a chance for Anthony to find it because I got Exodus 32. But was it was it in a particular chapter in that? Because I'm gonna find Deuteronomy 9 and 9. But that's the right answer, bro. Anthony, that's the correct answer. Yeah, he was up there 40 days. So it says, and when I was going up into the mount to receive the, the tablet, the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and for forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drank water. Yeah, so it was forty days and forty nights that he went up uh, to Mount Sinai with God to get the Ten Commandments. All right, so we did number five, so we're going to, I'm going to go over there today, hopefully, and put the other one, two, three, the other four in there, because I had a total of ten I was using. So I put the rest of them over there, and then uh, hopefully tomorrow we can look at those. Uh, wait till next Monday. I'll read them off. And post them over there today. Well, I post them over there today on Jesus in the Morning on Facebook. And you can go over there and look at next Monday. We'll discuss the uh, the answers and what chapter and uh, verse we found the answer in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it that way. So just, just give me a chance to go back and look at some stuff, too, because I'm in the book of Genesis. And so just give me a chance to go, you know. And check out some things that I may have forgotten. Because I'm not the walking 66, I can tell you that. Yeah, and I thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. Yes. And uh, this might help us all to remember uh, some scripture. Yeah. So we thank God for that. Anybody else have a testimony they want to share or they want to say something about one of these uh, quiz questions? Please feel free to press that number one and come in. Yeah. And we good this morning. I thank you, Jesus. Good morning to your sister Irene. She may be sleeping. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't want to miss nothing, so she leave it all while she snore. Good morning to your sister Sion. God bless you this morning. And a good morning to your sister Rose Brown. God bless you again. Good morning to your sister Dorothy Goodman. God bless you. And uh, Brother Anthony, God bless you this morning. Good morning again. And to our own Apostle Claudia Boatwright this morning. God bless you, Apostle. Pray your day is blessed. Yes, yes. And so we thank him for his word this morning. And we're not getting deep. We're just going over some questions and uh, see who have the answers and where we can find the answers at. But God is faithful. And uh, I thank him for it. And he brought this to me and gave me a whole, like, 50 questions, 50 quiz questions. I was like, wow. Yeah. So I thank him for that. Yeah. You'll go looking for one thing, and God will give you another. I know that. And so I'm grateful unto him this morning. I appreciate him, and I love him today because it was him, really and truly, who first loved me. Yeah, I hear people say that, but it's the truth for me. 
Yeah, it's not just a figure of speech or what they call a cliche for the church now. It's the truth. Hallelujah. And when I say God bless you, it's not just a figure of speech and what church folks just say, God bless. I mean that. And the Lord know I mean for him to bless you when I say it. And that's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Grateful unto him. So, look, we're moving a little bit further, and um, we have a few minutes, uh, 36 minutes. If somebody still have something they would like to say, please feel free. I don't cut it off. I, I let it go a little bit further and a little bit further until I know no one else got nothing to say. Then we move on. Because sometimes the Lord is speaking to people, say this, say this, and they holding on to, no, I don't want to say that. They're going to get sick of me talking. They're they going to think I talk too much. If God is giving you something, open your mouth because somebody needs that very thing that he's telling you to open your mouth and say. I learned that over the years. I'm not going to quench the spirit. And I learned if God tell me to say something, I don't care where I am or what I think. I'm opening my mouth to speak because somebody needs it. Hallelujah. And one thing about God, if you work unto him, whether it's one second or uh, five million seconds, he's going to bless you. Yeah, he won't owe you for your work. And I'm thankful. And I, that's what I'm after today, the blessings of Almighty God. Yeah, I want all of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'm thankful and I appreciate the Lord and I'm grateful unto him again this morning. I love him. Yes. And uh, he's been good to me. I can't complain this morning. Hallelujah. All right. So we're going to one more. And when we come back, if no one has anything they would like to say, I will pray us out. But we are going to do a bishop. And uh, power, Lord. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You will wave your hand, clap your hand.
spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah, hallelujah, Bishop Neil Robeson this morning. And uh, we thank God for the day of Pentecost. Yeah, we thank God and sent back the gift that he promised Yeah, to all of us. Not just the apostles, but all of us. Because today we all can get and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so I'm thankful unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo, for that keeper. Yeah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember when I didn't have it, I wasn't able to be kept because I didn't have what it took to keep me. Oh, but the day I got to keep <laughs> Hey, and I can say I'm one of the redeemed. He redeemed me back to him today. Some days I think about that thing and I get too excited. Yeah, because I remember what I didn't have. Yeah, I remember when I didn't know no better. I remember when I went to church because it was the thing to do. It made me feel better. Yeah, but I wasn't doing God no service by going in the building. Yeah, because as soon as I left, I still was back doing what I wanted to do and was doing worse. Oh, but one day he come, hallelujah, and set me free. And uh, I'm so thankful unto him for being set free today. Listen, if no one else have anything they would like to say, I will pray us out this morning, and we'll go to one more uh, request this morning. Uh, Pastor Mark, uh, Pastor Wes Morgan, uh, we'll go and take a listen to him this morning as our last song of the morning. I can remember the first time I heard Wes, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> yeah, but he came through. He came through. And uh, he sang, he sang, and I'm thankful unto the Lord for great gifts that he gives to us. Hallelujah. So listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close your mic, Sister Doc, because you may have something you want to do. I'm going to close yours, Brother Anthony. You may have something you want to do. So your mics are closed. So let's pray. And we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. For another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Let's pray and then we'll go to our last song of the morning. And after the song, I won't be coming back today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, we thank you for all you've done for us already this day. This is a new day. This is the day you made. And Father, we will rejoice and be glad in this day because you gave it to us. Lord, the things that come along during the day may not be so good to us, may not feel good to us, but the day itself is a good day, and we can make it whatever we want it to be, because, Lord, we're not leaning to our own understanding. We're going to acknowledge you in all our ways this day, and you're going to direct our path. And, Father, help us not to be wise in our own eyes. Help us to fear you and depart from evil today. In the name of Jesus, for it's one day at a time. Father, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised, but we have today. And we want to look to the hills from which cometh our help today, for all of our help comes from you. Father, you made the heavens and the earth. We thank you, Lord, for being on our side in spite of us. We thank you that we can cast our cares upon you, for you carried for us. We thank you that no weapon formed against us today and no other day shall prosper. Hallelujah. We're more than 
conquerors through your son, Jesus Christ, that loves us. We thank you for your great promises, for your promises are true. And Father, we thank you that whenever we pray, you hear us the first time. We thank you, Lord, for your ears always being attentive to us, your people, your children. Father, as we depart this morning, I ask that you would bless every household represented here. Father, move by your spirit today. Show up for your people. Lord, show your love. Lord, outward to your people today. Many are going through. Many stand in dire straits. Their hearts desires, God. And Lord, in ministry, many want to come forth. Do it for your glory. Whatever is needed, God, to continue to spread your gospel. Lord, we ask that you would move in a mighty way this day in the name of Jesus. Bless your people going out. Father, bless your people coming in. Again, meet the need in their lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Lord, if there's any backslidden, if there are any lost listening, Lord, we ask that you would draw today. For unless you draw, they can't come. We know that you save lives. We know that you save souls. You did it for us. And Lord, we ask that you would draw today as we lift you up. Bless us to pray more. Bless us to study your word more. Bless us to talk of your wondrous works and make known your deeds among the people more. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this episode of Jesus in the morning. And God, we're looking forward to you bringing us back tomorrow and use us in your service to be a blessing. In the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And Lord, again, we ask it all in your son Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today. January the 22nd, 2024, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye and again, be blessed today. And this is our last song, Mr. West Morgan, I Choose to Worship. For so long I was silent For so long I did not have a song of praise Fresh and filled my days, and clouds blocked my way. But there was a voice speaking to me, awaking the passion so quiet in me, in me. So still in me.
I need everybody in here to help me do it right now. Come on. He's healing me. Come on, I need you to lift yourself up out of that mess that you're in right now. Come on. Some of you have been down so long. Come on, make up your mind right now. I can't lay here and die. I got to seek after him. I hear his voice calling me right now. He's healing me. I'm coming to you broken tonight. I'm coming to you wounded tonight. I'm coming to you right now. I need your presence in my life. I'm going to worship yes I am. He's healing me. I'm going to worship. Oh, he's healing me. Yes, he is. Bless the Lord at all times. Yeah. 